Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is Thriving, Part 7, Faithfulness, recorded Sunday, July 18th, 2021. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Scott with today's message. We're learning what it means to be thriving in our relationship and with our lives in unity with the Holy Spirit. And uh, if I'm truly going to become everything that God wants me to become, that there's, there's no question I can't do without him. There's just no question. I mean, I have to yield myself to God for restoration and refinement. So, because thriving is not an event. It's a, it's a process. It's a process that's generated by God. And I can do all these things that I think will fill me, but in fact, they eat me alive. And Paul has a term for those. In Galatians, we've been in this book. He calls them the acts of the flesh, things that result from me living apart from God's preferred plan for my life. And so thriving requires something called faithfulness. Faithful. Faithful. That's a word that we don't use as much in our day as maybe they did in previous generations. I think there's a reason, because I think that we, it's hard to be faithful. I mean, it's a word we reserve for anniversary celebrations and, you know, and, uh, you know, it might be like somebody who has a good career at work and they, they had a 25-year pin or something and, oh, they were faithful, you know. We, we, we use the term, like, in old things, old faithful, right? Uh, that, that, that dog that sits at your feet and has for 15 years, faithful dog. Or uh, it could be a car that you just keep driving even though it's been on its last leg for two or three years. Faithful, faithful. And what faithful expresses is the idea of reliable. The concept of being loyal and, and long-suffering, maybe even. The faithful. That's a term that we use for sports fans. I, I'm not a big NBA fan. I'm just going to be frank with you on this. But I like basketball, but not big on the NBA. But anyway... I was switching around the other night, and I, I caught the, one of the finals uh, games between the Suns, Phoenix Suns, and the Milwaukee Bucks. And by the way, it was a great, great game. I was watching, watched about the last quarter. Really, really good. But anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm watching this, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, when's the last time these guys were in the finals? And then, of course, the announcer right then said, uh, it's been 50 years since the Suns have been in the finals, and it's been or uh, 50 years since the Bucks have won anything or something. So it's been over 50 years. And then they pan the crowd, and there's these fanatical people in Milwaukee who are, you can just tell they're, they're every moment they're just, ugh. And I'm thinking, faithful. That's a faithful dude right there. She is a fanatical, faithful person. That's what it takes. The faithful people who remain true who hang in there through all the bad, the 50 years of bad. Now, most people won't hang in that long. It's one of the marks of our culture. Today, if something's not working, instead of sticking it out, we dump them. Just move on. Marriage isn't all you want it to be? Eh, done. Move on. Job isn't the greatest? Eh, quit. Got to be something better out there. If a relationship's not meeting all your dreams and desires, well, somebody will make me happy. 
We, we have a term for it. You know what it is. Cancel culture. Faithfulness is the opposite of that. It's remaining true regardless of the ups and downs. Now, you might be shamed in our day for being faithful. Canceling seems to be the thing of the day. The first century apostle Paul, the one that wrote Galatians, the book we're in right now, he faced a little bit of cancel culture mentality himself. Now, to be clear, we're all broken people. God's dealing with us. So there's even Paul, Titus, Priscilla, Aquila, uh, John Mark, these people that, you know, Titus, these people that planted church with them, they were all broken people, just like you and I are. But they went into these places, they planted these churches, they established communities of faith, people came to salvation, they came to a new realization of life, and then they would do that, they'd plant the church, then they'd move on to the next place, and they'd plant churches there. they establish a church and move on. Then people would swoop in behind them and create confusion. They'd create, they'd sow discord. But Paul remained faithful to the churches that he had planted, and he continued to write letters to them and even return to help them to continue to grow. But people who are walking in step with the Holy Spirit don't bolt like some people were in these churches. They were taking these new teachings and running with them. And then they were, you know, they were canceling out the work of Paul and his associates. So uh, we've been reading from Galatians 5, 22 and 23. We've read this together several weeks. So if you would join me in reading these verses, Galatians 5, 22, 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So the seventh characteristic of the Holy Spirit-empowered life, Paul says, is faithfulness. And let me give you just some simple things about this word, and then let's see how it applies to us today. So here's the first thing. Only God is completely faithful. We'd like to be, but we're not. Luckily for us, God is not into cancel culture. God always keeps his promises. As a matter of fact, there's a great verse in Deuteronomy 7, 9 that describes the faithfulness of God. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. So establishing, there's no other than this guy. He's the one. He is the, what? Faithful God keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations, that would include us, of those who love him and keep his commands. I think most of us at some point will struggle with the idea of God being that faithful because, number one, we fail ourselves. And probably for the second reason, we've been, we've been dumped on a lot. People have been less than faithful to us at times. And so I think that because of these failures, we have a hard time associating God as being perfect in it. So here's the second thing about faithfulness. We're going to tie these together. Faithfulness is different than faith. So faith is when we believe there is a God and that we actually trust God. That's faith. Faithfulness is what I do with that. 
how I live beyond my believing and trusting him. So faith is trust, confidence, complete acceptance of a truth which can be proved, cannot be proved. So when I say I have faith, it means that I have the confidence that, that God is completely true, that God exists, that, that God actually is going to follow through. That's, that's faith, that God's ways, even though I often don't understand them or I can't see where he's headed with me in my life, I still trust that he's there and he, he knows what he's doing. Hebrews 11.1, 1, I think that's the best description in the world on faith. Faith is being sure of what we hope for, and certain of what we do not see. The NIV says it's confidence in what we hope for, assurance about what I can't see. And so faith is that. But faithfulness is different. It expresses the reliability or trustworthiness of God and of ourselves. So faithful means I'm going to be loyal. I'm not going to waver to someone or something regardless of my circumstances of the moment. And I have found this to be true of myself and maybe some of you. Faith is one thing. Faithfulness is another. Okay? So if you're going to say, hey, Scott, do you trust God? I mean, with your heart, and you know God's real and he's going to keep his promises. I'd say, oh, yeah, without a doubt. No, no question about it. But if you said to me, hey, Scott, how faithful have you been in the last six months to God? Have you been perfect? I'd have to say, oh, no, 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 not 100%, maybe not even 50, I don't know. But here's the awesome and baffling thing about God. He will still work with you and me if we trust him, even if we're not always trustworthy. This is God because he is perfect in faithfulness. So here's the third thing. Because God is faithful and because of your faith, God will help you become more faithful. I know that's a lot to take in, but let me describe it this way. If you will trust God, if you will have God-like faith, if you will trust that he is real and he's true, he will start developing in you a reliability for you and for him. It's, it's a process he'll put you in. Because God is in it for the long haul, even though sometimes we're very, very much not that way. And, and so the Bible has great examples of this. I, I would have to say about every human character in the Bible other than, you know, other than Jesus, you know, who is God-man, everyone has somehow struggled with faithfulness, even though they had faith. Like, and, and the poster children for this is a couple that we studied actually about a year and a half ago in the book of Genesis, Abraham and Sarah. Remember that? Some of you know their story. These are people who God used in a great way to alter the history of the world now and forever. And they had faith, but they struggled at times with faithfulness. So just to give you some ideas, Abram and Sarah, that was his name before he had a name change, they struggled with infertility. They were long past the age of childbearing, uh, way past. And yet God came in and he made this promise to Abram. He said, look, have faith in me. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. As a matter of fact, you're going to have so many offspring, you couldn't count them by the numbers of the stars in the sky or the number of the 
grains of sand on the seashore. In other words, he's making this big, audacious promise to him and Sarah. You're going to have kids. And it says in Galatians 3.6, Paul wrote this, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, Abraham is a very important person to us, even if you've never heard of him. Because it would be through his offspring that the human side of Jesus' coming to earth would occur. So Jesus, God's son, came through the lineage of this promise he made to Abraham and Sarah. And he kept his covenant with Abraham and his promise to us through Jesus. Numbers chapter 23, 19 says this about God, about his faithfulness. God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and then not fulfill? It's a rhetorical question. Of course he doesn't. God says he's going to do something. There is no question about it. Abraham and Sarah had faith in God. But were they always faithful to God? If you know their story, you know they were not. Great faith struggled at times with faithfulness. Uh, it spans another number of chapters in the book of Genesis. You can read it for yourself. But here's this couple who, for instance, they, they were now, you know, they were traveling throughout, um, you know, ancient uh, Egypt area, and there were these warlords that they would run into here and there. And, and apparently, even though Sarah was an elderly woman, she was kind of a hottie, okay? So Abraham would take his family into these places, and these warlords would notice the beauty of this woman, and to save his own skin, he would say, yeah, that's my sister. Uh, technically, she actually kind of was, because that's the way it was back then. But the fact is, he would like make these statements so that he could preserve himself. That showed, did that show faithfulness? Not really. You know what I'm saying? Okay, here's another ex example of this. Sarah was no spring chicken, as we've already established. So... She came up with this not-so-bright idea of giving her handmaiden, Hagar, to her husband, Abraham, so they could actually have this child of promise, which God didn't want to happen through that circumstance, and said, hey, let's just call it good. Okay, I'm, getting, I'm becoming an old lady. Was that a great idea? <laughs> no, it was not. Did it show faithfulness? Hardly. And then there's the situation where he's actually 100 years old, and she's 90, and it's about to happen. The child's supposed to be now growing her womb, and she hears about it because she's like outside the tent or something. She hears them talking about it with Abraham and these visitors, and, 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 and the promise again is reiterated, your wife's going to have a child, and she laughs out loud. Well, was that showing faithfulness? Hardly. But, but it's not an indictment on her faith now. It's an indictment on her faithfulness. Genesis 21. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised, because he's perfectly always faithful. Sarah became pregnant, bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At, that, at the very time God had promised him, because God is always faithful, Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah had borne him. Do you know what the name Isaac means, anybody? Laughter. I like that. Because it was a promise fulfilled. 
ultimately, Jesus would come from this family. They had faith. Oftentimes, they struggled with faithfulness. And I wonder, I mean, would anybody raise their hand with me? How many of you would say, I have faith in God? Just, if you do, just, I don't know. You can do it or you How many of you are always perfectly 100% faithful? Oh, I got to put my hand down too. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Here's the thing. The kind of faith that believes in God and believes God will keep his promises I mean, when you see Abraham and Sarah and you see this unfold, you see them as people of great faith, but who sometimes struggle making it faithful. They're a work in progress. And friend, let me suggest to you that we're works in progress too, but it's also the only kind of faith that will get you through another round of chemo. It's the only kind of faith that will get you through another day of hospice with your loved one. It's the only kind of faith that will see you through the progress meeting with your educators of your child who has special needs and it just becomes a battle it seems like. It's the only kind of faith that works at the graveside of the one you love. We don't grieve without hope. We don't take these challenges on without hope. But sometimes faithfulness is hard to come by. Against all hope, it says in Romans 18, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so your offspring will be. Just as it had been said. God has some just as it has been said to you things. Even if you have a hard time understanding and believing that. Brendan Manning, Ruthless Trust, the book is called. To trust is to be convinced of the reliability of God. Reliability is another term for faithfulness. Romans 4.19. Without weakening in his faith, he faced, this is Abraham, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and Sarah's womb was also dead. She was about 90 at this time. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. Now, faithfulness, sometimes he wavered. The promise, never. He was strengthened in his faith, and he gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. He didn't stop believing in God, but sometimes he struggled with the day-to-day stuff of hanging in there with God when it got hard. And that's human, isn't it? At least it is for me. Maybe you're different. I don't know. Here's another thing. God's faithfulness is his gift to us. Our trust is our gift back to him. Hebrews chapter 11 talks about Abraham in this way. It says, by faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive his inheritance, obeyed and went. That's a gift that he gives to God. That's trusting God when he did this, when he went with God, even though he did not know where he was going. That chemo, that horrible death, that hospice situation, that child that's just going to need all that you can give them for the rest of their life. These are trust things that you obey and you go, even though you don't know where it's going to take you. You trust God. You say, God, I know you're in this with me. 
through the good days and the bad days, you're in this with me. See, God can work with your faith, and if you trust him, he can do anything except not keep his promise. God has promised better for us. As a matter of fact, here's how it puts it. By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did his sons Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him in the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, we've established that, was enabled to bear children because she considered God faithful, him who had made the promise. And so from this one man, he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and countless as the sands on the seashore. I mean, think about this. God kept his promise through a whole litany and series of times when they didn't know how that was going to work out. But the thing they didn't waver, they said, God, nevertheless, we trust you. It's hard, but we trust you. Sometimes we're going to take over, but we trust you. Sometimes we're not going to go with you the way we should, but we trust you. That's faith, and that's how faithfulness usually works in our lives. So we need help. We need help. Because don't just believe in him. You, you, you believe him. There's a difference, you know. You believe in him or you believe him. Believe him. Your faith in God is demonstrated in your faithfulness to God regardless of circumstances. It means that we keep our word. We do what we say we'll do. It means we stick with something or someone through difficulties. Faithfulness means remaining in a relationship though the season is now a real dead one, so to speak, a real downer. We, we do the sacrifice. We, we love beyond ourselves. It means that we stay with our church through challenging times. This has been a heck of a year and a half, friend. And some people have just said, I don't like how that church did that. And they liked everything else about the church, but when they did that, they didn't like it. And I saw some faithlessness there, and I got a, it hurt my heart. It hurt me. But faithful people say, ah, God's bigger than this. We're going to trust God. You know, here's the thing. Faithfulness needs to be a developmental action goal in my life and the life of the Christian. It is not an optional extra. However, it certainly doesn't come naturally to me or to you. How do I become a more faithful person? Well, first of all, realize without God in your life, you'll never get anywhere near it. It's really God who makes it possible. I mean, because we don't just operate automatically as a Christian. The transformed life happens when I surrender to the power of God in my life. Choosing the Holy Spirit is an absolute necessity for me to have any shot at developing the kind of faithfulness that he, that he really needs from me. I mean, it, it, it's just the way it is. I mean, I think about it like a, as an apple tree. Like an apple tree, you know, it's, it doesn't just like show up and start blowing out beautiful apples, right? It, it has to be established in something deeper and greater than itself, into the, the earth and the nutrients that come from the earth and the environment, and then it can produce that kind of fruit. Well, this is true between you, for you and me between God. I mean, 
you're never going to produce the kind of fruit in your life that God really wants you to unless you're established and rooted in God. And the Holy Spirit's what makes that happen. The, the greatest picture, and it's no secret, and it's no surprise why I'm going to say this, the greatest picture of faithfulness found in the history of mankind is found in, who do you think I'm going to say? What name? Jesus. That's right. Abraham and Sarah, mm, they're a good example of something, but not perfect faithfulness. Here's Jesus. Jesus, who is at the peak of his popularity. People are coming from, from hundreds of miles just to get a glimpse at this man. I mean, he could literally have walked into Jerusalem and he could have taken over. And it says this in Luke chapter 9. It says this when he took the turn to the cross. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, that's like an image or a vision of that he's going to be taken up. The whole idea, he goes up on a cross, and then later when he ascends to heaven, that's that, like the imagery it's trying to paint for us. At the time, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus, listen to this, resolutely set out for Jerusalem for one reason, to fulfill a faithful promise of God to you and me today. That's who God is. Now, I might not have done a great job of explaining what faithfulness is to you, but I know what faithfulness is when I see it. And we see it in him, the son of God, Jesus who keeps his promises. Weekly here, we commune together. Some people ask us, well, why do you do that so frequently? Well, there's a couple of reasons. Number one, the Bible says that the early Christians did, so we're going to do what they do. But here's another reason that I think it's important. It's easy for me to forget some things. And I never want to forget this. God keeps his promises. And he perfectly kept his promise in Jesus. And so Jesus, on the night of his betrayal, right before he went to the cross, he said to his core followers, he said, I want to show you something, and I want you to continue to do this together until I return. And he gave them the bread, and you've got, maybe some of you brought this in with you. And he gave them a cup. It looked different than this, obvious. I don't think they had these little plastic bags back then. I'm not sure, but... Probably not these little containers. But this, the symbolism remains. He said, I want you to remember. Remember and don't forget that God keeps his promises. And that he's going to fulfill his promise when I die for you on a cross. And when I'm raised from the dead. So in a minute, we're going to commune together and we're going to celebrate in that promise. And uh, we'll go forward together as we worship today. Let's pray together. There's an, there's an old hymn, Lord, that it, it, this, the lyrics go, what can wash away from, what can wash away my sins? And then the answer is, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Jesus, you move steadily forward with an iron will, with resolution, to develop and create a new covenant for all mankind. The promise of a resurrection from the graves 
of the dead and a new life that's established through your Holy Spirit that leads us to eternity. And in this moment of communion, we remember you. And we remember your resolution, your faithfulness, the power of your promises coming true. So as we take the bread, it says, give thanks. We thank you, Lord. Take it, eat it. Remember and never forget the great promise of God. This cup represents, it's, it's a symbol of the new covenant in his blood, a promise he kept on that cross. Thank you, Jesus. I was standing back there and thinking about, first of all, how, well, that, that song's a prayer. You know that. That's a prayer. And, and then I, I wondered, how many times did Abraham and Sarah pray a prayer like that? A hundred? I don't know. Where they, they said, God, my faith is my faith's weak. Your spirit is strong. Strong in me. My faith may fail. Your, your, your power, your strength will never fail me. How many of you, how many times have you prayed that prayer? How many times have you said, God, I, I don't know where it's going to come from because I don't see it, but I trust you. Are you willing to say that prayer now? Are you willing to say, God, I'm in faith this week. I'm, I'm struggling, but I know you're real. I know I can trust you. I just don't know how. I, don't, I need help. That's what he needs from you. He can take it from there. For some of you, it's that you've got to make that first step decision in your life. Yes, God. I trust you. And then he'll take it from there. And let us, you know, if you want to talk to us about that, that's why we're here. Let us know you're making that decision. For some of you, it's like, oh, here I go again. It seems like I'm in the, you know, round 23 of I trust God, but I, my faithfulness is anything but that. So it's again you saying, God, you're real. Reset me. Remold me. Start over again with me because I still trust you. And for all of us, it's a matter of growing up with the power of the Holy Spirit being on that trajectory of life and giving him the keys, the steering wheel, the control of our lives. And, you know, we say something around here, at least I say. This is one of my favorite statements. I say it a lot in counseling rooms. Do the next right thing. Just do the next right thing. Even if you've done 100 wrong things, do the next right thing, and you'll find out how faithful God is. And that's faithfulness. Do the next right thing. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.